0: We go from First Baptist Vaughan all the way up to just north of First Baptist Cuba and work with churches in all those different areas as they, as they need and as they invite us to work with them. So I get to be in all sizes of churches, and our Chinese church, our Vietnamese church. Uh, I get to work with all those different groups. And our goal as an association is to—we are not a church. The association is not the church. And so we don't do the things that the church does, but we help resource the churches to help them fulfill their mission, to do what God called them to do. We are part of God's kingdom. And though we're individual local churches, uh, we're part of Christ's church. We are part of the family of God. And uh, we work together. And for whatever reason, God has brought you and the rest of those who are believers in different churches in our association and state into this part of the world at this time for a very specific purpose. And the purpose that he has for us is no different than he has for any church in any part of the world. And that is to proclaim Jesus Christ, to make disciples, and to uh, build churches, grow churches. So so we're part of this, the same group, and uh, you're just part of a larger group that uh, Christ established in his church uh, from the very beginning of his coming to earth and actually before that because this was all part of God's plan long before we we were ever got here and I'm going to share this morning with you uh, a message on Jesus on mission and it's it's a story about Peter and Peter's response to what Jesus mission is but I think it resonates really well with myself and a lot of us especially after we're coming out of a few years where things kind of slowed down, where we weren't doing meetings as we used to, where we weren't doing uh, outreach and events and ministry the way that that we had prior to, or or let me say the way we should have prior to, uh, because I'm not sure we did as good a job back then either. But now we're in a new place, and every time we get to a new part of the transition in our life and in the ministry of a church, Now, we should ask questions, and the question I want you to ask ask yourself this morning as individuals and really as a church is, are you on mission with Jesus? Are you on mission with Jesus? Now, I'm not asking you, do you believe in Jesus? That's part of the message this morning. We'll touch on that a little bit about giving your life to Christ. But the big question is, are we doing what Jesus came to do, and are we doing what he has called us to do? Uh, because the reality is we can know all about Jesus and we can believe in Jesus, but that doesn't necessarily mean we are in alignment with what Jesus' mission is. And so I want to I focus on that this morning. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever been uh, moving some direction, driving in line at a supermarket, at the grocery store, uh, trying to get in maybe even at, at a, a hospital or a doctor's office? And and you're kind of trying to get there pretty quick, and somebody gets in your way, and then and then they just don't get out of your way, and then as soon as they get out of your way, somebody else gets in your way, and it can get really really frustrating. Uh, Trudy and I, when I pastored at Carrizozo, we uh, my first pastor, we got very involved in the community, and we're uh, EMTs. Uh, Trudy was an IV tech, and so we were on call with the ambulance all the time. If you have ever been to Carrizoza, you know there's not a hospital there. So we would transport patients either to Ruidoso or down to Alamogordo. Alamogordo was a straight shot, high speed, didn't have to worry about turns or anything to get there pretty quick. Ruidoso, you know, is that windy road getting up there. And inevitably, there are people on the highway who do not respect an ambulance with its lights and siren on and instead of getting out of the way, they get in the way. And, and it, it was very frustrating for us because I really think if it was their uh, loved one in the back of our ambulance, they would have done everything they could have to get out of the way so that we could get to where we were going in order to care for them. And when you got into the emergency room up there, it, said, uh, it had a sign that said either lead, follow, or get out of the way. And, uh, and I think that's a really good statement. Uh, For believers as well, either lead or follow or just get out of the way so we can get done what we need to do. Because a lot of times, as much as we love Jesus, we may not be on mission with Jesus because his mission usually is outside of our comfort zone. Usually it's going to challenge us in some way. Many times uh, it's something that's a little more high risk and is going to require some sacrifice on our part, and that 's what I think we see here with with Peter and We all know Peter Peter was one of those guys that would go break down the wall, he would shoot first and ask questions, he would speak without thinking, and uh, generally, it never turned out really well for for Peter until. Uh, after Christ was crucified and uh, resurrected. And then, of course, Peter became uh, one of the great uh, proclaimers of the gospel and more following Christ than he had previous to that. But Peter's an interesting study, and we're going to look at an interaction that he had with Jesus on the road to uh, Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus' mission was to seek and to save that which was lost. And our response to what Jesus' mission should be, what Paul said in First Corin or in Colossians 1:28, when he said that we proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching every person, so that we may present them perfect or complete in Christ. And Paul said, "To this end I labor uh, with all His energy, with so which so powerfully works in me." That's our response to Jesus mission, that we should be doing everything that we can in every possible way to reach outside the walls of our church and our comfort zones to interact with people and let them see a true reflection of who Jesus is, because you know as well as I that most of the world around us do not see the true Jesus, and so their understanding of him or their perception of him is skewed. They'll only see the real Jesus if you are really reflecting the real Jesus in your life, in your home, in your neighborhood, in your community, in your workplace, in your school. That's where they will see the real Jesus if you will reflect the real Jesus and be in alignment with his mission and not our own mission. So let me read through this passage for us. We'll be in Matthew chapter 16 beginning in verse 21. And I'll read through uh, the end of that chapter, verse 28. Uh, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good would it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet uh, forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. I tell you the truth. Some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Father, I thank you for your word I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you consistently and constantly have shown us. I thank you that you loved us enough to send your son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sin that we never, ever could have paid on our own. And then through his death and his burial and resurrection, he calls us to come and to follow him, surrendering ourselves to, to His Lordship, acknowledging our sin and confession, repenting of it, turning away from it, and placing all of our faith and trust in Him to do what He said He did on the cross so that we might live with Him forever and eternity in that place that You have already prepared for us. As much as we embrace that and we enjoy it and we talk about it, Lord, we also must be proclaiming it. And we must be on the same mission focus and the same missional path that Jesus had. Because what he did through his suffering was what accounted for our atonement and our salvation. Speak to our hearts. Help us to understand this passage. And most of all, Lord, as we understand it and as we hear from your spirit, let us respond in a way that will honor and glorify you over all things. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There is I think I, nope, okay. I didn't know if I had my slides up there or not. So, there? There they are. Okay, so. Um, three things that we don't want to hear from the Lord. And, uh, and I, I have this in the slide, but I, I did not put it in my notes, so I'm just going to run you through it. I don't want to hear these things. How long shall I be with you, or how long shall I put up with you? That's not the term, things that we want to hear from Jesus, but that, that's what he said to his disciples. As much as he kept telling them and teaching them and preparing them, they still were not picking up on the message and the mission that he had. Of course, in our passage, it says, get behind me, Satan. You don't want Jesus to say that to you. I, I just don't think that's something that. oh, wow, Jesus said this. No, that's not what you want to hear. And three, Matthew 25:41, depart from me for I never knew you. And you know in that passage, there were those who were doing the right things, but they didn't know Jesus. And they were doing them for the wrong reasons, with the wrong motives, in the wrong way. They never embraced Jesus in their life. And they thought they were okay, and it turned out they were not. That is the worst thing that you want to hear. Because the others are redeemable, that one is not. Because if you could show up in his kingdom and you don't trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are going to be turned away. There's only one place other than heaven for us to be in eternity, and that's in hell. And that's where we will go if we don't know Christ. That's the reality of the good news is that he saves us from that eternal separation from God. So we don't want to hear those things. What we do want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Right? When you walk into the kingdom and when we have a celebration services of life for people who have been strong believers and they, they've demonstrated Christ in their life and they've served him for low many years sometimes, our, our, our comfort comes in, in knowing that through their life as they have well reflected Christ in, in an authentic way, a true way, a biblical way, we can say with, with assurance in our hearts that God's going to say to them when they walk into the kingdom, well done good and faithful servant. That should be our goal. But there's something that comes along with that, and that is that we are obedient to him, that we are surrendered to his will and not our own will. And so I want to talk about this story. And right at the the passage right before us, beginning in verse 13, they are up by Caesarea Philippi. And uh, this is north of the Sea of Galilee, about 25 miles or so. Jesus had been up in that area teaching, and now they were up there. They're heading back toward Jerusalem, and Jesus asked the question that is a great question. Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know, that's really the question we ask even when we're sharing our faith. Who do you believe Jesus is? What do you believe about Jesus? Because a great majority of people say they believe Jesus, but they really don't know who he is. We have to ask that question because different people have different thoughts about who Jesus is. And much of the time they are are not correct biblically. And they don't know the real true Jesus uh, by faith. So he brings them down, and he asks them this question, and he says, uh, well, they said some say that you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said this, who do you say that I am? Second good question. We can ask others, who do you think Jesus is? But then we have to ask the question, what do, who do I say Jesus is? Who is Jesus to me? And that's a really important evaluation. Now, in a moment of clarity and surrendering to the Holy Spirit of God, Peter speaks. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. I mean, this is one of Peter's high points. Uh, at this point in his life. And he's a, he's a great guy. He, you know, he just has that characteristic that, that many of us have. We're, we're doing a lot of things, but we're not connecting well. But in this moment, when Jesus asked that question, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, wow. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Spirit of God revealed this through you. And, and so that, that was a wonderful time for him. And then he tells the disciples in verse 20, he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. It was not time just yet. And so then we get into where we're, we're going to talk about Peter again and his response to some things. So uh, the first point that I want to give you is, is this. Jesus' focus was on the cross. Everything he did from the time he was incarnate, from the moment he entered this earth, and actually long before the earth was ever created in God's overall plan, he knew as he created the earth and created us that we were going to sin and we were going to need a way to be restored to him. That was Jesus' purpose from the very beginning. That's what his mission was. He had been teaching and leading his disciples and preparing for the ultimate purpose of his coming, and that was to go to the cross. Remember what Jesus said, and I've already said it once. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. And the only way that was going to happen was when he went to a cruel cross, was rejected by man, was crucified. He gave his life and death, was buried and then resurrected from the grave. In John 3 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Only one way. There's no other options. There's one path. It's through Jesus. The wide path, which everybody follows, leads to destruction. The narrow path, which is a difficult path, leads to salvation. And that really was the message. And then Jesus says this He said he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer. And he must die. Non-negotiable statements. Divine intent and purpose is revealed through those things. I must do this. There's not an option. There's not another way. And you remember in the garden when Jesus was in his agony about to, uh, to and was going to be betrayed and, and then tried, uh, Jesus went through that great struggle uh, with the Father, and he ends up saying, Father, not my will. He said, if there's any other way for this to happen, but not my will, but yours be done. Amen. And that's the struggle sometimes we go through in our own life when Jesus is calling us and urging us and sending us, and we struggle with our will over his will. Well, if we put our will over his will, we're making ourselves God. God says, we can't do that. He's the only God, right? We have to submit to the Father's will, whatever that is and whatever that costs. And that's what he was trying to tell his disciples here. He had to do it. Here's a principle that we need to understand. God will not place you in a position of faith and trust without first having prepared you in some way. He will always prepare you. You may not understand it. You may not follow it well. But God is preparing you all the time. He is challenging you and growing you and putting you in situations and giving you experiences in your life which are preparing you for the next step that he has for you if you are truly surrendered to him and obedient to his working in your life. And that's really the big challenge that we generally have as believers. So he tells his disciples he must go to Jerusalem, he must suffer at the hand of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be re- raised alive. Notice that Peter just confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That means that we can have a true confession and not follow that confession with submissive faith and trust. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in. Because we're okay with being saved by Christ, we're not always okay with Him being Lord of our life. And being Lord of our life means that when He speaks, we not only hear, but we respond. We act. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that anytime time you come into a Bible study, a small group, you come into a worship service where there's, there's biblical preaching and where there's, there's worship that, that uses uh, uh, words that honor and glorify God are focused on him and not on something else. I truly believe that when you come into his presence, you cannot walk out without having to respond to him in some way. Something has to happen. Either an encouragement, a strengthening, a conviction. Something does happen if you're listening for him to speak to your heart. If you come in prepared to hear from God, you can't walk out the same way you came in. And if you do, then that means you've missed something. Because it's not whether we, we can't pray to have him here. He is already here. Two or three are gathered together. He's in the midst of us, right? So if he's here, the only question is, are you here? And I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually. Is your heart where it needs to be? Is your mind where it needs to be? Are you wanting to hear from God and allow him to challenge you in your walk with him? So here we are. Uh, this is, Jesus was on mission. And, uh, and the second thing that's important here is this. Peter's focus was on Jesus, but not on his mission. And this, again, is where the disconnect comes in. If we can have a strong faith in Christ, but a low obedience to Christ. And sometimes we don't help ourselves. And sometimes even in the church, as we look at it, overall and I work with lots of different sizes churches and and it's, size does not make a difference in how God works in a church because I, I love the story of Jonathan and his sword bearer where they're getting up to go with the against the Philistines and the the obedient sword bearer is following him and Jonathan says the Lord can save by many or by few so it's not numbers it's not money it's obedience God can do through a small group what he can't do through a large group Amen. and vice versa. So, so we've got to get that out of, the, out of our head. Here, Peter's focus was on Jesus, but not on the mission of Jesus. So there's a disconnect. And listen, if we love Jesus... If we're not on the mission of Jesus, then we're disobedient children. We're not doing what he called us to do, and we will not be able to accomplish the things he has called us in our, in our individual lives, in our families, and even in our churches if we're not on mission with him. That has to happen. So notice what it says. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, imagine, he just made this wonderful declaration of who Jesus was. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. And when Jesus says, hey, I've got to go to Jerusalem and they're going to kill me there, but I will rise. Peter goes, oh, no, 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 no. I know better. We're not going to let this happen. And that term means that that it's a continual rebuking. It wasn't just say, he didn't just say, oh, well, I don't think that's going to happen. No, he took him aside. and, No, no, Lord, we're not going to let this happen. We're going to protect you. Can you imagine that? You're the, you're God in the flesh, but we're going to protect you from this happening. (laughs) Like I said, we think many times like Peter does, and we get in trouble with that. So, it didn't make sense to Peter that Jesus, who Peter just confessed to be the son of God, would go to Jerusalem and be killed. How could that serve any purpose? He had a different idea. He had a different plan, a different understanding. Peter was on a different mission, but it wasn't Jesus' mission. And I think one of the questions that we have to ask ourselves, and when I say ask ourselves, I mean, I mean really ask ourselves, not, not superficially, but in, in deep uh, uh, concern for our relationship with Christ. Am I on mission? And the person to ask is our Lord. And that happens in prayer. When you say, Lord, I'm doing all these things, we're involved in these things, I go to church when I need to go to church and when I should go to church, but am I really in alignment with your mission? Am I on mission with you? And you know what will happen when you truly, sincerely seek the Lord's answer? He'll give it to you. He'll help you understand whether you're in alignment with him or not. And the only response to that then is, will you change your heart and your life and your obedience to be in alignment with him? Whatever that means. Whatever he calls you to do. Whatever his expectations for you are. When he says, no, you're not in alignment with me. You're not on mission with me. I know you believe in me, but you're not on mission with me. You there's only one response, right? Here am I. Send me. Lord, whatever you need me to do, I repent. I, I confess. I've not been. I, I've been a good person. I've gone to church. I, I do believe in you. I'm serving in all these different areas. But my life and my heart's not on mission with you. When that happens and we truly repent of that, and we get in alignment with his mission, it will change dramatically how we interact with our relationship with Christ as well as with others and with the body of Christ. Can you imagine if everybody in the body of Christ prayed to be on mission and in alignment with his mission? How God would bring that together because everything is of the core of who we are is in Christ Jesus his death, burial, his resurrection, the hope that we have in him for a lost world, that the message needs to be proclaimed, ministry needs to take place, we need to take care of the poor, the widow, the orphan, the stranger, we need to encourage and strengthen one another, we need to develop spiritual leaders, uh, we need to be uh, helping churches get developed and planted, not only in Jerusalem, but around the world. All those things are incorporated when we say, I want to be on mission with you. And that doesn't mean that you're called out to go be a vocational missionary uh, or anything else. It just means, Lord, from now on, my life, everything I, I do and everything that, that's in my life, I want to revolve around your mission, whether it's at work or at school, at recreation, no matter what it is, I want to be on mission with you. And, and really, that's what has to happen here. Uh, so, so Peter says to him and he rebukes him and, uh, and argues with him. You ever argue with God over something? Yeah, how'd that go for you? Because uh, generally, um, it doesn't go well. When I uh, was, uh, God began dealing with me about going in the ministry, I'd uh, been, um, I, ha- I wasn't a Christian. Uh, when Trudy and I got married, I had had eight years in the Navy. Um, my life up until that point was um, very wild. And uh, when our daughter was born at Balboa Naval Hospital, God uh, just to help me see that we couldn't raise this little girl the way that we were living. I knew there had to be something better. We came back to Albuquerque. I grew up here. Trudy was born here. And I began seeking and looking for answers uh, to how we needed to live. And through a series of things, I ended up uh, at her church down at Boski Farms and surrendered my life to Jesus in 1978. Well, about two and a half years later, I, I had gotten very involved uh, and I was growing, and, and God began to deal with me about uh, going into the gospel ministry. And my struggle with God for about three months was, Lord, do you know what I, my life was like? How could you take me and all the things I had done in my life and the person that I was and now use me to proclaim the gospel? And, uh, and I, I wrestled with God for three months. Trudy knows that was, was a difficult time in my life. And uh, that didn't change until I finally just surrendered my life and said, Lord, whatever you want to do, um, I'm willing to do it. Uh, I was wore out and, uh, and we needed that. Um, sometimes we get in arguments over God about things that he's calling us to do that we're not willing to do, that we're not open to do that we don't want to make the sacrifices to do. And God is not going to let us go until we ultimately surrender to his will or he'll take us home, one of the two. Well, that's kind of what was happening here. Peter was struggling with them. Uh, you see, Proverbs 14:12 tells us this, there is a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. And, uh, and you're just not going to win that battle. So be sensitive to God. Let me give you the third thing here. Jesus clarified his focus for those called to his mission we must remember that even when Jesus rebuked Peter, he did it in love. Now, it doesn't sound that way. Give me armies. But it was still in love. It may be hard to understand, but it's true because that's his very nature. Jesus had a perfect understanding of God's will and would not allow Peter or anyone else to get in the way of him accomplishing his mission here on earth. If you look at verse 17, where Jesus said, Blessed are you, uh, son, of son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And now Jesus tells him, Get me behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. It's very important that that we understand that Jesus said this, You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Again, another great struggle that we deal with internally We have in mind the things of man, not always the things of God. Because if we had the things of God in in mind, the things of man would be secondary to anything that God wants to do. Peter had allowed Satan to put doubt into his mind, just like Satan had put the doubt into the mind of Eve in the garden. When he said, what did did they tell you about the tree? Well, if we eat the tree, then then we're going to die. He said, oh, you won't surely die. The very first thing that that Satan does is place doubt into our minds about the, the truth of God's word. And when we begin to doubt God's word over input from someone or something else, that's where we start to get into trouble. And that's what happened here. Peter was basically saying, my way is better than your way. Again, he's talking to Jesus, the son of the living God. My way is better than your way. It doesn't even make sense when you break it down and look. And he says that you're a stumbling block. And the Greek term that was that used here is of an animal trap and literally defines the bait uh, plate on that trap. That's where the bait is. And, and the stumbling block is uh, that it's a temptation to step into and to be caught. And that's how Satan does things. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. So uh, this is the root of almost all division and conflict and disunity and lack of mission in the body of Christ. When we get focused on worldly things rather than heavenly things. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. That was his mission and it is our mission. He doesn't give us a choice in that, by the way. He gives you all the gifts that you need to do what God needs you to do for him and through the body of Christ. There is not a believer ever that hasn't been gifted to do the ministry that they've been gifted for in the church. It's just whether we will do it or not, whether we will come together and Put in our piece of the puzzle. Do what God's called us to do as believers to come together to accomplish the great things that God wants to do through the church. So understand what your spiritual giftedness is and the only thing that keeps the the spiritual gifts from being used is you. (laughs) You're the only roadblock. You're the stumbling block that gets in the way of what God wants to accomplish in your life. Many reasons why we are not fulfilling our mission, why we're not fulfilling the Great Commission, we get in the way of what Jesus has called us to do because our minds are on the things of man instead of the things of God. Herein lies the problem. Peter, like many of us, do not have our focus on him. In uh, Hebrews chapter, thir- uh, chapter 12, uh, verse 2, it says uh, that Jesus... For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So when Jesus was looking at the cross, it's saying there was joy there, but it wasn't because of the agony and, and the rejection and all the suffering he had to go through. The joy wasn't in that. The joy was in what the cross would accomplish. Redemption for you and me and every person that would come to Christ. So even though God has called us to be on mission with him, sometimes there's some sacrifices that have to be made generally, always. There has to be some sacrifices, and usually the sacrifice is us. We have to crucify the flesh with its lust and desires in order to be obedient to him. Sometimes we have to sacrifice things that we like and that we're comfortable with in order to accomplish the mission. But when we think of it in terms of what Jesus did in going to the cross, that what God does in us and through us in the sacrifices and all of those things I just mentioned is the redemption of other people, then there's joy in that. I should be willing to sacrifice my comfort and and anything else I need to sacrifice that God might use me, that he might use you to reach someone else for the kingdom. And the only thing that keeps that from happening again is not circumstances. It's not how you were brought up. It's not what church you go to. There's only one thing that gets in the way of us being obedient to Christ, and that's you. You're the only roadblock. And and the roadblock is taken away when you're willing to submit to his will and purpose for your life. In, In Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, and I read this, it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me. We'll find it. So you see the contradictions here. Peter acknowledges who Jesus is. Jesus gives the plan. Here's the mission. Going to the cross. Going to be turned over. Going to be killed. Going to rise. Oh no, Lord. You're not going to do that. I'm going to protect you. It's not, that's not my plan for us here. And remember, I'm kind of leading this group. So I'm sure if he brought them together and they took a vote on a Wednesday night, they might say, no, we've decided that's not the best way. And Jesus is very clear and very plain. Get behind me, Satan. Your eyes are not where they need to be. We have to speak the truth in love. And I had a a saying when we started Vista Grande Church many years ago. Speak the truth in love, and love never compromises truth. In other words, as much as you love someone, you still have to be truthful with them. And when you're truthful with them and you speak the truth in love, then God works in that. But we've got to be honest with ourselves and we have to be honest with one another. Am I on mission with Jesus? Have I embraced it? Am I focused on it? Am I keeping the things of the world away so they don't get in the the way of me being on mission with him? Or are my eyes where they shouldn't be? Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. That's one of the great challenges. And that's where, that's where the lordship of Jesus comes in. Salvation comes through faith in Christ. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, we when, to come to Christ, we acknowledge our sinfulness. That's, that's confession. God already knows about your sin. He's wanting you to take responsibility for it and acknowledge it. God's wanting you to say, I know I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. I want to turn from my sin and follow Jesus in repentance. I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was sufficient to pay the price for my sin. And you put your faith and trust in him. And you ask forgiveness. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit will come in and you will be made a new creation. A new creation is not a creation of this world. It's a creation of the kingdom of God. And as such, we become his ambassadors, right? And ambassadors don't speak their own mind. They don't do their own plan. They don't have their own uh, organization. They speak what the King of Kings and Lord of Lords tells them to speak. And they go where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords tells them to go. And they do it not only in obedience, but they do it with great joy because we're honoring and glorifying him. Let me close with some questions for you. Jesus came to pay the price for your sin that could never be taken away. That was his mission. And he fulfilled it completely. Jesus came so that you would have life and have it abundantly. But abundant life is not the worldly life. It's kingdom life. Jesus desired to be your Savior and Lord if you will surrender to him in faith. And church, your mission as individuals and as a body, and we as an association, as a state, as a convention, as believers around the world, is to be in alignment with Jesus' mission. Amen. We're either in alignment or we're in opposition to it. There's no middle ground there. You can't just float. If you're floating and you're undecisive, then you are against the mission and you're getting in the way, way of it. You're either with him or you're against him. And the question is, do you need, what do you need to do this morning in response? to what God has spoken to your hearts about today. Again, I don't think we can ever open God's word in any context uh, and not be confronted by something in our life, either encouragement or strengthening, guidance, direction, or conviction. Don't be afraid if God is convicting your heart of something. Be be thankful that God is speaking the truth and love to you in order to help you be in alignment with his will for your life and the mission that he came to fulfill on earth. We're all about building the kingdom. Local churches grow as the kingdom grows. And we may reach people that would never come to this church or my church, but that's not our our deal. Our deal isn't to get them into our church. Our deal and our mission is to share Christ that they can be in the kingdom, right? How do you need to respond to that? Are you on mission with what Jesus is doing and what he came to do? That's really the question that you need to answer this morning. And if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you need to pray, confess your sin, repent of it, put your faith in Christ, ask for forgiveness, and he'll forgive you.